0: welcome to another edition of the green beige podcast as always that is aj he's the green i'm ken i'm the beige and together we are the green beige podcast so aj how are you doing my brother i, I am really good i'm great <laughs> i had a had a
1: nice little goat routine from the training man down the road everything <laughs> everything i know that that's not your speed but you like that, that gave me a new lease on life today. boy. that was, that was, that was something I, I didn't know I needed. It's One not yourself. That
0: it's not as not my speed. It's just that oh, here on the mountain top, mm-hmm. unless you go to the Indian store, curry is a little <laughs> hard to find. Rotis <laughs> are almost impossible. So that's, yeah, that's, that's how I like
1: them. Next time I'll enjoy it with you and mine, sir. So. I appreciate that.
0: So <laughs> I, right now I'm just going to be a little green, but that's just green with envy because I don't know the last day I had a roti. But I, other than that, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I've been looking forward to today's show because, as we mentioned last week, we are on the Go Load platform with Digicel. And for those of you who are in the Caribbean and you have the premium bundle, you can access all of our shows, including from when we first started, all 16 no episodes of the Green Beach podcast can be found there. In addition to that, we are also on Spotify. So if you have Spotify, you can search for Green Beige and you'll find all of our episodes there as well. So those were the housekeeping matters. AJ, as you know how we always started, we go off the rip. And this week, off the rip, we are starting... In Kansas City and Baltimore. We heard this week that a blockbuster trade was made between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. In which the trade was for Orlando Brown Jr., a tackle, who was traded from Baltimore to Kansas City for the 2021 first and third round picks and, sorry, first, third, and fourth round picks, as well as a fifth round pick in 2022. Whereas Baltimore sent over Orlando Brown Jr. plus their second round pick for 2021 and a sixth round pick for 2022. So AJ, off the rip, what are your first thoughts seeing this trade?
1: Um, I like it. I like the trade for both teams. Coming from an objective standpoint, I like it for both teams. And uh, I know you saw me allude to such in one of our chats. I uh, was waiting to have this discussion, so I'll explain why. So let's, let's start with the obvious. For Kansas City, all that, like, you, if you watch this enough, you know what Orlando Brown is, right? This man is an immense talent. Um, it's So so is obviously an upgrade on this offensive line that Kansas City have been trying to to, to retool and reshape since, since the the fracas in Florida, which um, took place on February 7th. Yeah, 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 you can skin up your face. You know exactly what I mean, though. Yeah, but, um, um, continue. <laughs> you know they've been putting some work into that offensive line. So it is definitely an upgrade getting um, Orlando Brown. He is a drafted in 2018, a two-time Pro Bowler in 2019, 2020. um uh, he last was last season, last season. Yeah, he didn't allow a single hit or pa- or a single um hit or sack in 389 pass blocking snaps last year. Right, man is immense, huge talent. Um, Kansas City, we know that the the Kansas City's aim. They've been to the last two Super Bowls, so we know that that's where they're going back. So giving up first round picks means absolutely nothing. For them at this point, um, Brown is also in the, the final year of his rookie contract, so they're not breaking the bank for him at this point. If I remember correctly, his cap hit is only like three point eight something mil. I mean, yeah, I mean the, the Pro Bowl in, um, inclusion gave him a little boost on that rookie contract, but still is, you know, manageable for Kansas City. So they get that talent for this this season as they're making that Super Bowl push. Then. They, they could decide his future afterwards. He could decide his future afterwards, right? Um, so, yeah, they get that sort of, to get that sort of talent, a pro bowl talent on the low, yeah, I like it for them, obviously. Mm-hmm. Now, in the chat, I was saying that it was also a good move for the Ravens. And a couple of the guys are questioning that. They were wondering why they would give up such a talent. But the thing is, there's a lot more behind it than meets the eye, right? So um, I mentioned how good uh, Orlando Brown is. So he was the fifth most valuable offensive tackle. And of the four players that were above him, one of them is his own teammate, Ronnie Stanley, who was also a tackle of the Baltimore... A teammate, so of the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens tied down Stanley to a, a massive five-year, $98.75 million deal. This was just last October, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is... um. When Stanley, at, Stanley got injured last year and then Orlando Brown filled in for him at left tackle, and since then, he, he's had some sort of epiphany and he wants to be a left tackle, right? But the fact of the matter is, they already tied that money up in Ronnie Stanley. And the, with the fact that Orlando Brown might soon be ready to, to claim that big contract, like, they couldn't out that kind of money on two offensive tackles, right? So, they had to pay the prices right, get the most for him now instead of, like, essentially losing him next year or or no, um, giving him up and then getting a potential third-round compens- compensatory pick or something like that. So, um, yes, yeah, so they have to get rid of him. They, they got uh, uh, some good picks in return. No, no they have two solid um, picks in the first round of this draft. Um, and and in addition to all of that, while they are losing him, he's a younger talent. At the same time, they have hosted two veteran um, tackles. One of them, Alejandro Villanueva from the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And then after him, apparently was Dennis Kelly, formerly of the Titans. Apparently there's there is um in in the within within the camp there is there's growing optimism that they'll be able to tie Alejandro Villanueva down to a deal. He, uh, he's like 32, 33. So obviously he's not long term, but it's something to fill the gap right now, right? Um veteran experience, he's obviously not um cheap as well. He doesn't Have a big hit or anything like that. And then they can still go ahead and draft someone for the future. So um, it works for, it works. Uh, Like I said, it works for me. Uh, I I think it works for both teams. Um, Yeah. So, like I said, they have two first round picks. They have three positions that they need. If you can say that they need, uh, they could either draft the offensive tackle to replace. Orlando Brown in the future, they could get someone for the edge since they just lost Matthew Judon to yours truly. and Or, sorry, since everyone was bemoaning the lack of um, wide receiver talent that Lamar Jackson had when they were eliminated last year, they could go draft a receiver um, because this class apparently is full of some very good receivers and some very good names at offensive tackle as well. So I think it works out for both. They, they, they get to save some money, you bring in a veteran presence for a, for cheap. And for Kansas City, again, making a Super Bowl push and you get that sort of talent on the cheap. So it's a win-win. And for Orlando Brown, is a win too. Once he performs, you get a big contract somewhere.
0: Now, I agree that this is definitely a positive move, especially for the Chiefs. Now, uh just go quickly through what I considered where this trade was concerned. So for the Chiefs, the Chiefs went into the Super Bowl with no offensive tackles last season. And the pass rush of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lived in the backfield the entire game. So they have completely rebuilt their offensive line. They have two new tackles. And one of the tackles that they lost due to injury heading into the Super Bowl... I think it's Eric Fisher. They have had negotiations with him, with the potential of bringing him back. Because at this point, he tore his Achilles. We don't know what he's going to look like, but there's obviously a chance that he could return. So that gives Patrick Mahomes a lot of protection. Now, for the Ravens, the draft capital—sorry, the draft capital that they just received—is the sort of haul that is franchise-changing. Now, the good thing about it for them is their franchise is already in a very good position. They are in a very competitive division, but even though they are in this competitive division, they still would have to consider themselves, if not to be the best in the division, at worst, the second-best team. And that is, while they still have all of that talent in Cleveland, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers who have been the creme de la creme of that division for so long. So for the Ravens, with the amount of picks that they have, they now have two first-round picks. They lost their second in the deal, but they got an additional third and an additional fourth. They give up their fifth. So you have two first-rounders, two third-rounders, two fourth-rounders. So if they were to decide that they wanted to go after more – recognized talent they have the draft capital that they can go to pretty much any team and pick up almost any player that they wanted if they decide to go through the draft then they have enough capital they have enough picks just in this draft alone as you said this draft is expected to be a very talented one throughout the different positions not just is heavy on this one position and not the others. So they have the opportunity to plug a lot of gaps in their team. And as you may mention, of the wide receiver was not their best. It was not their strongest position last season. So they've already brought in Sammy Watkins. They've announced that they're planning to bring in another wide receiver in the draft using one of these high draft picks to get some more talent on the outside. So this offense is setting up to be a lot more dynamic. Now, losing a tackle of this caliber is never good or is never the best thing for a team because you want to have as many talented players as you can. But as you just said, they just paid the left tackle. And now this guy, he wants to be a left tackle. So you can't pay two left tackles, though. And especially for these, these teams, things. exactly. And especially for these teams that are looking, well, not are looking, but you know, the majority of the quarterbacks in the NFL are right-handed. So the left tackle is the tackle that usually gets paid the big dollars. The right tackle, he gets some decent money, but the left tackle is the one who really brings home the bike because he's protecting the quarterback's blind side. Right. So. No, when you take a look at Brown, who was a right tackle and then got shifted over to left tackle because the left tackle got hurt, he's like, but well, if I can play over here, I can get paid over here. So I'm gonna And he's a
1: left hander, so he, he feels he feels that he's
0: adept at the position, yeah. It's like he right. feels at home. So it made sense for him as well. At this point, there are, I don't think I don't think there are any losers to this deal. Because as you may mention, for the money, for the money that's involved, is a no-brainer for Kansas City. You would hope that within the picks that they gave up, they would have been able to land a tackle, maybe, of the talent that Brown has. Therefore, it works. Now, it could work against them because, after all, the Ravens are still in the AFC, and they've just basically given up the farm to get this guy. But time will tell, time will tell where this one goes. But yeah, I
1: mean, from the onset, it looks, like, it looks like a win-win-win.
0: Indeed, indeed. So last week in our final thought segment, you remember, AJ, I had a lot to say about the European um, Super League. But I I took it primarily from the fans standpoint because as we are fans, we don't have any power. We don't have any say. The club's owners decided that they were going to go set up their own shop to make all of this money. And then FIFA, UEFA, the government, everybody who had a mouth were saying that this was a bad idea. Within the time that we recorded the episode, And it aired on Wednesday morning, the entire Super League fell apart because the (laughs) fans had all of the say and they said that they did not want this. And this is primarily because of the same things they just said. You had the government saying that they were going to try to find a way to stop it. FIFA and UEFA both said that they were not right for any competition. Therefore, any teams, any players that took part in this competition were going to be barred from taking part in any other competition. It was a mess. It still is a mess. But the mess at this point right now is that all the English teams have withdrawn from the competition. The um, chief executive of Manchester United, he's lost his job because he was one that was pushing so strongly for it. We have rumours that the the um, CEO of Juventus, Andrea Agnelli, he too is potentially on the way out. The response throughout all of England has been complete derision. In Italy, they're saying that they might kick these teams, that these rebel teams that were trying to get into the Super League out of their competition and yeah it's it has been a mess now i it was only fair it's only right that after i come out and speak so strongly against it that we update the people because yeah. after all i i had a lot to say but at this point there's not much more to say other than there's the, the teams are out and we don't know where this is going to go because Florentino Perez, the the um the CEO of Real Madrid, he's saying that the teams can't exactly back out of this competition, but even the bank that was funding the competition said that they're out of it too. So I really don't know what Perez is playing at, but only time will tell.
1: He is intent, but I, I mean, I had sister Marshall snow cones that lasted longer than that, boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were lots of memes that came out with Things that lasted longer than the the European Soccer League. Yep. So, back to the regularly scheduled program. Now, one of the other big pieces of news that came out recently is that the NFL has made a decision that they are relaxing the rules on the jersey numbers. Now, AJ, I don't know if you had noticed this before. But I had noticed this as a youngster coming up that especially a lot of the wide receivers used to wear numbers between 80 and 90. The quarterbacks used to wear like the single digits or the um, like the teens, they didn't used to necessarily go higher than 15. I don't remember quarterbacks wearing the number higher than that. You found that the offensive tackles used to wear n- numbers between 60 and 75. The defensive linemen used to wear 19 and above. So, The NFL has now decided, that hey, you know, really and truly, we don't need to necessarily keep forcing these players to readjust these particular numbers. And especially now as the teams have gone, they've advanced in time and you've had better players who've come through your system, you find that a lot of teams are retiring jersey numbers and then it makes the the available pool within that particular group a lot smaller. So they decided now they're going to expand their options and allow these players to basically get well almost within well within reason but they're letting them get a lot more options so defensive backs can now go from 1 to 49 linebackers can go 1 to 59 and 90 to 99 defensive linemen are 50 to 79 and 90 to 99 and on the offensive side the running backs tight ends full backs away receivers the skill position players can play in numbers 1 to 49 80 to 89 offensive linemen are 50 to 59 but the kickers and punters well you know they don't really care too much about the kickers and punters they're stuck between (laughs) numbers one and 19 but AJ I have I had to bring this because we needed to talk about your boy Mr. Tom Brady who gets and says that this is going to lead to a lot of bad football do you agree with your goat, Brady? Uh, you
1: know, I, I I, couldn't really tell because he doesn't speak out a lot about things. He doesn't make those sorts of comments about things. So I really couldn't tell if he genuinely feels like that or if he was trying to be facetious or if it was trying to pass off one as the other, right? Um, I, I understand where he's coming from. I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. I, I personally don't like the the rule, that relaxing of numbers. I don't like it. I don't not necessarily for his reason, but it's just personally. So the first question he asked is if I had realized that. So when I just really started, even even when I was a casual fan, that was the first thing I started. I realized more so about the skill position with regards to their numbering system, right? So mm-hmm. the first two positions I realized that about were. The wide receivers and the quarterback, right? Um, but generally, personally, right? I, I, I like I like the, the the numerical structures for for different positions, and not just in the NFL. In sports generally, like I still I still haven't gotten over the fact that Arsenal gave number ten to William Gallas. Uh, 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 <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, and even nowadays I cringe when I'm watching Wolves play and I see Rui Patricio goalkeeping in eleven. So I. For me, honestly, it's a thing. It's a thing. I, I I, I, don't like to see certain positions in certain numbers. And you, you know what sort of was the last needle in the coffin for me? When Patrick Peterson yesterday announced on his part that he was changing his number to seven. I, I don't know if you saw that.
0: Me. No, I didn't see that. Yeah,
1: he did. On his part, he announced because he used to wear seven at LSU, apparently. So since, since they, since they uh, um, relaxed those rules, he was like, yeah, going back to number seven. Uh, I couldn't, nah, I just didn't like it. I just didn't like it. feels like college ball. I don't know. I just, I, this is just a personal thing though. With regards to Tom, I, I guess, like I said, I part of me understands where he's coming from, but I'm not on the field, so I don't hold as as, uh, as much of a,
0: a strong-minded view as he does. But the thing is, I, like you, I I got accustomed to, to certain numbers being in a certain position. And you you talked about like, when Arsenal gave William Gallas number 10. All right. Yeah, that was annoying. But then when we brought in Lucas um, Torreira and we gave him 11, a defensive midfielder, I was like, come on, man. So eventually I've exactly. been, yeah, I've been trying to be more open minded when it comes to this numbers thing. I, because this is the world we live in, things are no longer, but. When I was watching any of the college games and it was seeing certain positions and certain numbers, it used to bother my eyes. So I am not against it necessarily, but it will take some getting used to. But Tom, when Tom made his statements, Tom is very, Tom is not joking about this. He said, um... Good luck trying to block the right people. now.
1: yeah, I saw, I saw, I saw
0: that part. So and then he comes back later and he says, "Why not let the laymen wear what they want to? Why have numbers? Just have colored jerseys. Why not wear the same number? Dumb." So yeah, Tom is Tom is one hundred percent against this. Yeah, he probably is. He probably is peeved.
1: And I, 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 I like I so, so like I said, I see where he's coming from, but i'm I'm not on the field so as much as I do understand my my disdain for it is not as uh, it doesn't run as deep as his but I, I i I do get where he's coming from in a sense is on on my own personally I, I already don't like it so I'm trying not to find any more reason to just hate it because I'm trying to be as open-minded as you are and be like
0: you know what I'll get used to it but I don't even know how long that'll take for me though Yeah, but the thing that has me about him and his comments is the the whole thing about the bad football and not knowing who to block. So I can understand for him. Yes, definitely. He, he, all right. So he is probably in year, what, 20, 21? No, in the league. So for him, who's been out there and he's he's accustomed to saying, well, block 45, block 52. And then now you have to come back and say, okay, so now you have to block 70 or you have to block um, 38, maybe that is a little bit different because he has to know adjust the new verbiage that's going to have to come. However, at the end of the day, it's the same 11 positions, it's the same 11 players on the field. And if you look and you think that the Mike, which is the middle linebacker, is coming, regardless of his number, you're going to say, block him. You're not going (laughs) to get there and say that I'm not going to... I Sorry, fellas, I got the number wrong. I thought he was wearing 58, but he was actually wearing 22. So, you know, we can just let 22 come through the line and smoke me back here. No, you're not going to do that. So as much as Tom is making a fuss about this and talking about blocking and assignments and that kind of stuff, get over it. You are going to find a way anyway, so stop complaining.
1: You, you, You know what this actually feels like more so? You know how we have that culture in the Caribbean uh, where men sitting around a rum shop talking about cricket from back in the day when the West Indies was good? Yes. That's exactly what this feels like. Tom is from a few generations ago football, you know? Like, it's not as if he just gets... Like, he'd been been through a couple generations of football already, you know? So, it just... To me, I honestly feel like he just does not like... He's like an old person that doesn't like change. This is his world. He doesn't want to see it change in this way. This change Mm -hmm. is probably too big for him. So he's trying to find all sorts of excuses as to why, you know, it, it's a bad idea. He probably just uh, – he, he he just doesn't like the change. That's what I think it is. I, yeah. I agree I agree with what he's saying, though. Like, he's going to find a way. He's going to find a way. Like, he's been here long enough. But it it's it, it has to be just that, you know what? I don't like this change. I need to revolt against it. Why are they doing this? This is not how we did things back in the day.
0: Correct. Right. Poor fellow. He'll have to – you know, he'll, he'll figure it out. I'm not going to shed any tears if he doesn't. I, uh-huh. I was i was just about to say it might be the league
1: conspiring against Tampa Bay though know, so that against Tampa Bay yeah because they're against, the only team
0: against, we... Tom, against Tom yeah because they're the only team that still has an old quarterback, right i mean actually I think that might be true but anyhow <laughs> we move on <laughs> we move on so we have some, you know we yeah. talk we talk about all players we have some guys who announced their retirement this week. But these guys, in the grand scheme of things, are not really that old. So we had um, TJ Ward. We made mention of him first. He was a member of the Denver Broncos no fly zone, that extremely stingy secondary that helped carry them to a Super Bowl 50 championship and allowed the shadow of Peter Manning to win the second ring. And He has announced his retirement. He said... And I'm looking at an article here on NFL.com where he says, Today, I want to announce my official retirement from professional football. This period came fast, and yet it felt prolonged. We each have our own journey in this life and in this sport, and I proudly followed mine until my football path was complete. Regardless of the ups and downs, I stayed the course. Football is in my blood. I would play as long as I was able. In the end, I wasn't allowed to play anymore. So after eight years in the league, two Pro Bowl um, selections, 607 tackles, eight interceptions and 10 forced fumbles, the 34-year-old has announced his retirement. And the last time he played was 2017, incidentally, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And along with him... Sean Lee of the Dallas Cowboys has also announced his retirement after 11 years. And he made mention of that, you know, after for 11 years, he was privileged to wear the Cowboys star. We want to play forever, but today it's my time to walk away. Thank you, Cowboys nation. It has been my honor. So we say happy trails to both of them. We wish them all of the best in the future. Um, especially for Sean Lee, I do believe it was tight because Sean Lee, every, well, not every season. I I will not be, it would not be fair of me to make it seem as if Sean Lee was constantly injured. But over the last few years, that's exactly what it felt like. And he had um, some ACL. He missed 2014 with an ACL. Then he... You know, he has had lots of other injuries where as soon as he came back, he was out again. So it may be time. it's, it's probably for the best that Mr. Lee goes home with his family and stops taking these NSL hits.
1: And and Sean Lee is, is is how old?
0: Sean You said
1: you said they, they, neither of them was that old and is and what is 34.
0: Yeah, he's 34 now.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm trying to see if they listed how old. Lee was in this article, and it does not say. But, I mean, when you compare it to Tom Brady, nobody in NFL <laughs> is <really> that old. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, good good luck to them. We will see them on the other side, I am That's sure. Other ventures are, yeah. So, AJ, you know, the next big um, thing that we needed to touch on was Julio Jones. So we we we've been seeing recently there have be been some comments, some stuff coming out in the media where they're saying that Julio may be on the move because we had articles that came out from Pro Football Focus and another insider where we're hearing that it's either going to be a first round pick to get Julio or a second round pick to get Julio. So I'm not going to give too much preamble on this, but AJ, do you think that Julio could really be on the move? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Especially
1: since um, any potential deal will be done after June 1st, mm-hmm. you know, from around June 2nd, to save some money um, on in the cap this year for potential team. Um, for Atlanta, sorry. Um, yeah, I do think because this draft does have – some very good talent and Atlanta are in prime position to take the most talented skilled player in this draft in Kyle Pitts so uh, I mean even though he's not a receiver but they did just draft Calvin Ridley who has has been better than good in Julio Jones you know like impending um yearly uh, uh, annual absence since he's come in he's 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 um he's been a very good I can't even say deputy he's been a, he's been a very good number one right so I think with that young um that young receiving core that they have especially bringing in another one even if it's not Calipso and they go for an actual receiver there's still Jalen Waddle there's Jamar Chase I uh, they they I I really do feel that there's and these are just three of the top names I'm calling but there's still more right mm-hmm. I really do feel that like they're in position to draft a um a younger. Individual who would still be would still be equally um, adept at you know helping this team out. Since Calvin really has a few years on his belt, he could take take over as a number one. Um, you move Julio off, save some money, so you don't have to pay, be paying him and Matt Ryan. I, I at this point, I, I I guess they're not in full rebuild mode yet, but it kind of does make sense to get some money off. So I honestly feel because there will be suitors for Julio Jones despite his injury concerns there will be teams that will want Julio Jones so get something for him No, I, I really do think that this could happen especially and, and and that's fuel for me especially since
0: they're in that fourth position in the draft so the the thing for me when I look at this situation yes to answer the question first yes I do believe that Julio can be moved but when I say A, I have to also say B. When we remember, when, when we spoke about this quarterbacks who may have potentially been on the move, when we spoke of um, Carson Vance, we said Carson Vance and the price that the Eagles were trained to call for was impossible for them to get. And truth, it was. It was proven that they had then to lower their expectations if they wanted to get rid of Mets. I believe that the same thing is currently at play here, where Julio Jones is concerned. And this is for a couple of reasons. The first one, as you may have mentioned of just now, is his injury history. Julio misses games every year, especially for hamstring injuries. At his age, no, I mean Julio at his height and his age with his speed if he does not i guess if he doesn't do everything that he's supposed to do he will always be at risk of pulling a honey because he's a big dude he's heavy and he's fast so when you take those things into consideration his injury history is something that you cannot ignore the other part of it too is the, is the actual financial cost involved with this. Because Julio is on a lot of money. And because of his injury history, you now you're trying to encourage somebody to take him, knowing that he's going to miss some games. So Julio, at this point, he is 31 years old. And in his history, he has had some extremely productive seasons. But One of the running jokes, and I don't know if you remember this, but one of the jokes that we had in our fantasy leagues, if not this season gone, was the season before, was that Julio puts up a ton of yards, but he doesn't score touchdowns. He doesn't get in the end zone as often as he should for someone with his his physical profile. And then when you... All right, so... Yeah, exactly. So now you look at The fact that Julio is getting paid all this money. And similar to what happened with Kirk Cousins when Kirk Cousins was with Washington, and his as I keep saying, his agent deserves a plaque hung up in the Agency (laughs) Hall of Fame because the only team that owed Kirk Cousins the amount of money that he was paid was Washington. Anybody else could have paid Kirk Cousins as a regular quarterback because Kirk Cousins is a regular quarterback who probably should only be making about $20 million a year. But his agent was somehow able to parlay these two franchise tags that he had in Washington into $84 million, all guaranteed with the Minnesota Vikings. I draw this parallel because for Julio, Julio ranks first at in receptions, yards, and he is second in touchdowns and targets for the Atlanta Falcons. So Julio getting paid this money is not so much in terms of projecting what he's expected to do in the future, but as a reward for everything he's done in the past. Yes. Why then... If I, um, whoever, I mean, even your Patriots, if he was cheaper, might have been interested. Why then would I want to pay Julio Jones $20 million a year for the next two years? Why would I want to pay him $20 million when he's 33 years old when we can reasonably expect that he's going to miss five games over these next two seasons? So why then would they want to pay all of this money after giving up a first-round pick or a second-round pick to get him? So when I look at Atlanta in this, it's like, okay, I can understand that you might want to move him on. You might want to get some younger blood at the position. And as you said, Calvin Ridley has been good. But Calvin Ridley has been good with Julio there and when Julio misses a game or two in between. When he's now the guy... All season long, we have to wait and see what he's going to do because he could definitely he'll, he'll draw a different kind of coverage, definitely.
1: So, so yeah, may not be as effective, but in, in the grand scheme, and I'm not even saying he is Julio, but I think he's he's good enough to, to fill at least at at least at least it'll, it'll still be a step down, but he's he's still good enough to be a part of that. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but
0: the cautionary tale where that is concerned though, is Juju Smith Schuster. When he was so productive, when there was Antonio Brown, and then when there was mm. not Antonio Brown, then Juju's numbers fell off. So, yeah. at this point, we, it's a
1: fair concern. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, we there's something that we'll definitely have to, we'll definitely have to watch.
1: I guess I'm a really fan, though. Even pre-draft, I was a fan of his. So,
0: yeah, that could be a personal thing as well, honestly. <laughs> well, I mean, at the end of the day, they're my division. So, guess what?
1: I don't I, want I, I get to it. do I very well. So
0: <laughs> they can do whatever they want to do as long as they're still finished behind me in the stand. I, I really don't care. All right. So, AJ, now we are on to our, I guess, our favorite segment at this point. Who do you trust? And this week is draft week. So because it is draft week, of course, it would be remiss of us. We've not spoken much. I mean, we've only touched on it fleetingly. As this week has gone on, but it's about time. If we don't do any sort of draft preview this week, if we don't do it today, the next thing we'll be doing is a review, not a preview. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah. So, let's talk about the draft a bit. So, we have the draft is going to start this week on uh, Thursday, and which will be the day after we hear And... We have three rounds, well, three days of the draft, seven rounds, and this is the time where lots of hopefuls who have given their bodies up playing for free, they finally can get paid. And these guys are all hoping for their dreams to become reality as they get their names called on the draft stage. Now, we know that the NFL, not just the NFL, but most American sports are set up with a draft. This gives the teams who have not been very good an opportunity to gain some fresh talent, good talent to hopefully turn their fortunes around. And unfortunately, in all of these American team sports, there are teams that do very well with the positions that they draft and the places that they're drafting. And they are able to get good players in to help move their franchise on. And then there are others who perennially pick in the top 10 or the top five and never seem to get it right. So for our first, who do you trust? We are going to look at one of the teams that is constantly in the basement. they finished last almost every year in their division. And this team is the Detroit Lions who just hired a head coach who likes to bite kneecaps? So, AJ, do you trust the Detroit Lions to get it right in 2021?
1: And I can't believe you even asked me that question. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> that is that is going to be a negative. Not in that division. You, that and you made mention of it, so I'll just take you back off of that. Not in that division. They were pathetic one and five last year in their division. They won the one game they won was against the Bears. It was, I can't even remember where that which where that game was if they were home or were there, but it was a like a 34-30 win or something like that. It's one and five in that division. That that to me that says I, I won't even get into their overall record, but the fact is in that division alone, one and five right? They are by far the worst team in the division. They they have downgraded at a quarterback position for all intents and purposes. And Now, now you know I've been a defender of golf, but that was in a system. The, the thing is, Ken, there's no way I see the kneecap biter having a <laughs> system, a system that, that is an upgrade from what we saw um, um, Matt Patricia have for the last couple of seasons. There's no way I could see that it being like some sort of big upgrade. I don't even know if it is. To me, this is a a lateral or even a downward coaching move, a downgrade as well, right? So they downgraded in those two most important positions. Um, We know Jared Goff needs a system. I don't see them having that. I don't have faith in their offensive weapons either. You change a quarterback and the only weapon that, for me, right, that I have faith in that still remains with that team is TJ Hawkinson. Pretty decent tight end. Had some uh, after his rookie year last year, he improved on his numbers pretty good, but he can't do it alone. They lost Kenny Galladay, they lost Marvin Jones. Um, the other receivers in that team let, let me tell you the three names of receivers in that team that 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 I actually knew just from looking at it. Rashad Perryman, who was at the Jets last year, the year before that, I remember, he was basically like the number three behind the duo of Chris, um, Chris Goddard and Mike Evans. At mm-hmm. yeah, and he had a couple games where he had like I think he has, like, two spectacular back-to-back games late in the season when one went down injured. Since then, done nothing. Geronimo Allison (laughs) and Tyrell Williams. You hear these names, Ken? I mean, even if they draft someone, right? Even if they draft someone, a wide receiver is not... Because, I mean, we know they're not drafting a quarterback. So even if they draft a skill position, a wide receiver is not... There's no wide receiver, let me put it this way, good enough in that draft to overcome the dysfunction that is the Detroit Lions. So, to to circle back, no, I don't trust the Lions. I think they're going to be worse. They won five games last year. I can't see them. If if they win five this year, I'll be surprised. I'm putting them on like like four and 12 at best. Uh, So... (laughs) (laughs) Any <laughs> prediction? Four and twelve
0: for me. You have it on tape, on record. The lions, the lions, the lions, the lions are the pussy cats. They, are they <laughs> strike fear in no one, in no body. Trust who? And the fact, the the lions, I think they have at least one or in sixteen season in their history. The lions have had a top. 10, if not top 15 pick for the majority of my lifetime. The only time that the Lions have been, I can't even say necessarily good, but the only time that I can remember they had winning seasons was when they had Jim Caldwell as head coach. Mm -hmm. And then they got him, they, they were losing before him, and then they've been losing ever since. And they've changed the GMs, they've changed the coaches, the one thing that the Saints still can't get done is that they can't pick properly in the draft. So, no, I don't trust the Lions either. No, you made mention of, of who they still have, TJ Hawkinson. I think they still have Carrion Johnson, and they still have... Uh, Carry on who? But at least they had... Yeah, uh, you, you, know, you know what we always say. The best ability
1: is availability. That boy correct. can't stay fit. Yes. But he's he's a very good he not let me not even, let me not even say very good he's a good talent mm-hmm. he can't stay fit I'm not I'm not willing to mention him <laughs> as, as any kind of offensive weapon Nah show me eight game straight first and then maybe we'll talk fair enough fair
0: enough so we we spoke about the the lions specifically now the second one that I had here on the list that we, I wanted us to, 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 let me know if you trust these people or not. And this is the analyst and these predictors because every season, and this is honestly, this is what turned me off of the whole draft process, right? We We get four or five mock drafts per analyst. We have these guys who's in some cases, they say they have insider information and others, they're just like me and you. Well, the more like you less than like me because I don't sit down to watch all these college games, but they're watching and they're predicting and they're saying, oh, so this player is supposed to go here or this team should be looking at this cleaner player. And then when we get to the actual draft, we see that in a lot of cases, they are just as far off as a lot of the electoral predictors when it comes to these polls. So, AJ, tell me, do you trust these analysts and these uh, draft gurus when it comes to the draft?
1: You know what? I actually do. In the grand scheme of things, yes, I do. Um, You made mention of something that I will pick back up on like it's it's usually like a few of them and you you have to kind of like sift through to find the ones that make sense because it's like a plethora of them coming out saying a bunch of different things and uh, like you said like some might claim to have insider info that just end up being complete and utter rubbish but there are a few um that that yeah, there are a few, I would say to, to me. I, I actually I actually find some value, get some value from what they're saying. Now, in everything, even in science, you have to account for a margin of error, right? So they will get certain things wrong. There's no way that they could sit and accurately predict what every single team is going to do. But it's part of their it's part of their um their job description, right? It's what they're supposed to do. So I get it. In in it overall, though, yes, I do, because it, it kind of does give me me an, an idea as to um just as a casual not casual well, as a fan it gives me an idea as to what teams are looking for like going into you know like this team might be interested in this person or you know then they or this might be a smoke screen they might be interested like i like the narratives that some of the narratives that lead up to especially those ones that seem to make more sense now i know there's a lot of there's always there's always some sort of negativity going on with it, and we've spoke about this ad nauseum in the groups in regards to like um, Justin Fields and how his draft stock has been dropping. Uh, this is due to these guys, right? So I get I, I get the ire that you may have for them, but I I I, I, I kind of like sift through that noise and then I I, I kind of I focus more on the good. So in general, yes, I do. I I I I don't have a problem with it. I I, I could block out I could block out the noise.
0: So I don't trust them. <laughs> Trust who? I don't trust them at all. And part of the reason, the only thing that I, I take value from in a lot of cases is that they give you decent comparatives or comparables for this talent versus that talent. This is who this talent matches up well or would you can project him to be like this other player right, right. in the league. Mm. But you know, one of the things that always bothers me is that in a lot of cases, yeah, you may say that this player may have been a reach because of how you evaluate. And they always like to say that these teams have their own draft boards and they make their own evaluations. So they don't necessarily listen to what these pundits are saying when they're making their evaluations and when they're going to determine who they're going to pick. But I don't remember ever really hearing them say that a player is trash. That especially because they don't spend time talking about the guys that you would expect to find in rounds three to seven. Yeah, they might go through and just put names next to teams all the way in the mock draft from player one to player 255. But at the same time, they don't give you the draft analysis for somebody that is supposed to be not that good. So, I'll give some examples. That Prescott. When that Prescott was drafted, nobody expected that Prescott to be that Prescott. No. If they did, they would have projected him to be a first-round talent. That never happened. You have uh Josh Rosen, who was supposed to be this top talent coming out of college. And right now, can't he, he only sees the field probably with binoculars. That's how far away he is from taking snaps in the NFL. You have... Um, Jalen Hurts, who was projected to be decent, but okay is, and he knows he's at the Eagles and the Eagles have him starting, but the Eagles themselves don't seem to be so convinced about him. So chances are they may still go and get another quarterback. When you look at a lot of the evaluations that they give for these players, the average lifespan of a player in the NFL is three years. Most players wash out within that time. Only in some cases the best get past that three year period. You have players who are in there in the first round that will not make three years. But we but their their projections and their predictions never ever account for that. Right now, as and right, the other thought that came to mind that I wanted to mm-hmm. make mention of quickly. You talked about the players' draft starts and how it moves up and down. The evaluation that they give to certain players and certain demographics when it comes to certain positions drives me up a wall. How is it that Justin Fields went from being the second-best quarterback in this NFL draft at the end of the season? He goes from being considered second-best to probably slipping all the way down that the Saints could pick him at 28? How is that possible? How is it that Matt Jones, who they've been saying has had limitations all the way through his college his college career and the, the discounting that other players have had because they played either at Alabama or Clemson that have had all of this talent around them, they don't get the, the level of discounting that, Sorry, Matt Jones has not gotten the level of discounting that he, that others have gotten in the past. And now you're hearing that Matt Jones, his stock is higher than Justin Fields, who they've been saying can make almost any throw. And the fact that he, he can use his legs as a dual threat quarterback is something that makes it more appealing to get him versus somebody else. When I see how they evaluate certain players and hear how they talk about them and the code words that they use, like how the black quarterbacks can't read the defense or this white white receiver, he's, you know, he's the hardest working in the room and he's, you know, deceptively fast. It's like, no, come on. If he's fast, he's fast. his cut of his skin does not matter. But these are the sort of things that happen every draft year, every draft season. I'm sick and tired of it. So, no. My trust level for them is infinitesimal. Is so small that it does not even count. Yeah, I, I do get that. And, and
1: like, I, to go back to the like, we've spoken about that in one of the chats, right? And I, I do... I mean, obviously, that I feel like that's basic enough that everyone, who you know, like, um, follows it, even even at the most minuscule level, would see. Uh, it tends to happen. It tends to happen with a certain demographic, like you said, right? Um, but again, to me, that's just noise, uh, and th- that doesn't happen with everyone. There are certain people you can listen to when it comes to things of that nature, and they give you a more accurate um, review. Uh, and analysis so I, I tend to do that and as as much as that gets under my skin as well i just like just chalk it off at, as noise and um with regards to, to to you talking about like the projections and so on i think i think as as much as um uh, not projections but like um yeah in, in terms of like um I, I really just lost my train of thought i'm sorry with regards to yeah you talking about like um players who um, who they rate, to, rate highly, like Josh Rosen, who didn't turn out to be anything, for example. I, I think a lot of that has to do with the player himself, too. I think a lot of that has to like, because they're in in certain cases, you might hear – because, for example, one thing one thing you, you, you would hear is about a player's, like, maturity level and that kind of thing. Like, they, I feel like they usually do – they don't put a great focus on it, but you might hear that, all right, well, yeah, he might need a, to, a little bit of maturing – uh, not fully ready to start, that kind of thing. I, I feel like you do kind of hear some of that stuff. But at the same time, it, 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 it whether they mention that or not, I feel like that's down to the player. Like, there are certain players, if they evaluate you off of your skill, then all right, that's cool. But then not all of them make the transition to the league. It's not a smooth transition as expected. So uh, as much as it, it could be flawed analysis, uh, for me, a bigger part of that ha- just
0: has to do with the individual talent. Well, I mean, yeah, individual responsibility is important for these things, but i it 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 just grinds my gears to hear the things that they get and say and if it was only for like my benefit, your benefit, just for the fans who want to know you know like what who who my team take, or you know how does this particular player rate versus his peers or or those kinds of things, then. I probably would not feel as strongly as I do about it because if you lie to me, it doesn't really matter. The worst that's going to happen is that I'm going to come on this podcast and (laughs) call you a liar. Dude, that's the worst. But nobody, nobody that matters in the grand scheme of things is taking my word for it. What I say doesn't affect anybody's pocket, but what they say does and they need to be a little bit more responsible with some of the things they do and say yeah, and the way how they evaluate a lot of these players. All right, so we got one more, do your trust. And I know, and I I hope that you would have also known or recognize this too, AJ. In a lot of cases, when we have these players who are being drafted, we find that most often the media seems to make a determination before this, before X player gets into whichever league that this player is going to be X, as in he is going to be rookie of the year or he's going to be an all-star or a pro bowler or what have you. We see it most often in the NBA because in the NBA, you have this, like whoever is touted to be the number one draft pick, When they come into the league, then the expectation is that this player, because of the team he's going to, with the opportunities that he's supposed to get, is going to be up there for rookie of the year. So this season, this draft, the player who is getting – well, I can't say the most buzz because we've been hearing about it for two years before we even got to this point. So now they're giving a lot of other people a lot of the shine in the conversations nationally when yeah. during they're during the talking about the players. But we have Trevor Lawrence, who is expected to go first overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, AJ, do you trust Trevor Lawrence to be the... Well they have to split the offensive rookie of the year. Yes, I do actually. And I'll tell you why.
1: Um you kind of just made mention to it, and I I agree in the sense that um yeah, these these things sometimes feel kind of like pre pre ordained and predestined. And especially as a quarterback, I feel like the offensive rookie of the year tends to, to work in their favor, it tends to lean in their favor, right? Like all you have to do is just show up and not stink up the joint. You just just don't be terrible, and especially given the position, like being a number one pick, it, it I think that is already in his favor. Three of the last five winners have been quarterbacks. The two exceptions were um, your boy Alvin Kamara in 2017, and then Saquon in 2018. Now in 2017, I. I I know you probably won't want to argue against that because obviously, you know, Alvin winning that's a big thing. However, you if you remember that year, Deshaun Watson was the front runner for that award until he got that season ending injury, right? Mm-hmm. He had like seven games or seven, so he had like 19 touchdowns in the seven games. Some 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 kind of craziness like that. He was afraid, he was well out in front, Ken. Season ending injury. Obviously, you couldn't give it to him. But quarterback. Um, the next year. <laughs> The next year when Saquon won 2018, it was, Baker was the number one pick and despite the fact that he broke that, <laughs> despite the fact that he broke that rookie record, um, he didn't win it. Saquon was immense that year though. So I, I given the sort of talent that he showed that year, I, I think it was more understandable that he got it because this, even though Baker broke that um, touchdown record for rookies, he, he, he wasn't as standout a, uh, uh, performer as Saquon was uh, Saquon was like a breath of fresh air to the Giants um, so I, I I understand that but outside of that this is it feels like it's a quarterback's award to lose um, now the thing is Justin Herbert won it last year and he outside of Keenan Allen he didn't it's not like he had a, a great deal of talent on the team you just like I said you just need to not stink and just get the ball to, to your playmakers and let them do something right And I feel like he's capable of doing that. He has decent enough talent. Lavisca Chenault, he didn't set the NFL world alike, but 58 receptions, 79 targets, 600 yards. Approximately like 10 yards per reception as in his rookie year. He had some uh, like five touchdowns. He's won. James Robinson, the running back, who still contributed with 49 catches from 60 targets, seven yards per reception. Good enough talent. DJ Chark, who in... Well, we know that the Jaguars last year, quarterback wise, it was a mess, right? DJ Chalk in 2019 had over a thousand receiving yards. They got Marvin Jones, um, from Lions. Um, he had some injury worries in the past, but in the in the two seasons, the last two seasons that where he played a full season, last last season he did with the Lions, played all 16 games. He had 978 yards. the The previous year before that, when he played all 16 games. Was 2017. He had over a thousand yards. So, I'm saying all this to say, I think Trevor has enough talent to work with. And while I don't see the team being, like, I, I don't know if I, I can see the team making enough noise to like lock down a playoff spot. I don't think he's that good. And you know how I feel about Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer might be the one to, to lose in this award, if anything. But I do think that Trevor has enough talent to work with, and this award is his to lose. And and Outside of him, it would have to be like, um, I know, like know, a name I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, Najee Harris, the running back who could potentially get it. But I feel like this award is Trevor's for the taking. All right. So,
0: what I'm going to say is not necessarily with regards to Trevor Lawrence. But at the base of it, I do not trust Trevor Lawrence to win the Rookie of the Year. Trust who? And this is why. Now, the majority of the teams are the players, sorry, who have gone and done very well. Our team are players that go into good situations, good organizations, good positions, Right? So I'm looking at the top of this draft. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York Jets, San Francisco 49ers. So you made mention of Urban Meyer and how you feel about Urban Meyer, where you did a whole um, final thought.
1: Yeah, by the way, I'm going to bring that back. Drop The draft is coming up. I'm going to bring that back. I'm going to bring that back.
0: So I, I at this point, I, I can't say that because of the coaching setup, that the Jaguars have that I can trust that they are going to be good enough for him to win rookie of the year. And the Jets are picking second. The 49 is are picking third. Now, I don't know if you saw the interviews that came out today from Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch talking about their quarterback situation, but they have not given any kind of vote of confidence for Jimmy Garoppolo to even be on the team, let alone be their starter for this coming season. I believe that if they were to do something that made sense, which was to draft Justin Fields at number three, because the expectation is that Justin Fields is not going to be gone when they're picking. Because it is going to be Trevor Lawrence at the number one. And I think I was hearing, I said it was Trey Lance or Zach Wilson. That was Zach supposed to
1: be the name I was hearing for, for the Jets,
0: Right. So, Trevor, um, either, Tra- way, either way, it, it wasn't Justin Fields. Exactly. And Justin Fields <laughs> could potentially then go to the 49ers. The 49ers have, of the teams that are picking high this, this offseason, this draft, the foreigners to me have the best situation. They were, they, they were a quarterback away last season. And if they can get a decent young sir who is willing to put the ball down the field, he's not going to shut his eye and throw interceptions in like Jimmy did, then you put them in a much better position. They have top talent at wide receiver. They're more than likely going to pick up a running back in this draft. Because Kevin Coleman is no longer there. He was always injured anyway. So they're, they're going to probably get a running back. They have great wide receivers. They have one of the best tight ends in the league in George Kittle. They still have a pretty good offensive line. They just paid their tackle some ridiculous amount of money. So when you, when you take all of those things into consideration, I think that whoever lands with the 49ers has the better opportunity to be Rookie of the Year. And in terms of their general prospects going forward in their career, the Jacksonville Jaguars are just, in my opinion, they are just like the Lions. They had a small purple patch when they had extremely good defense that was being held back by Blake Bortles. So now you've gotten rid of all of those defensive players and you finally got a good quarterback, but your defense is not that great. So, what then are we expecting? What then can we really hope for? For them to be better this season going forward and to be good enough that Charles Lawrence could be rookie of the year. I just don't see it.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Um, that's, all right, that's a very good argument. I, 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 however, though, I'm not convinced that it will be Justin Fields going to, to the Niners. And I'm also not convinced that whoever is a quarterback that they do draft is going to start ahead of Jimmy G at the start of the, uh, of the season. So, mind you, I, that, that is not necessarily a deterrent because Justin Herbert didn't start the season either. Correct. So you never you never know. But I, I I still do feel like at this point, like it's it is Travis to lose. Huh? We'll see. It's Trevor Lawrence
0: to lose. I, I I I do think so. If I was Jimmy, I would be angling for trade all now. For the time they had that interview, I'd be, I'd be saying, listen, back home, Jimmy, come back home. You, it, that's the best thing. He right now he should be calling your, your head coach and saying, listen, you know, we could just do it on the low. Just show me a couple pages in playbook. I can learn them, and we can just keep this thing going. Because the better thing for him is to get traded than for him, for the team doctor, to stick him in his lung so that they can get a rookie in there. Okay? So the best thing for him to do... I, I didn't expect you to take it there, but nice. I didn't expect you to take it there. Though. The best thing for him to do is to try to get it there as quickly as possible. So that, yeah, no, that brings us to the end of who do you trust for another week. And next week, we will be back talking some more stuff about draft. The draft will have just passed so we can always stay tuned for that so aj this week the final thought is at you and you said that you had something interesting for the folks yeah so yeah 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 on. i
1: thought i thought this week this week like, usually our final thoughts uh, ha- have become like us getting stuff off ch- off our chest and doing a little bit of a rant so this week i wanted to do something a little lighter because what was on my mind like we, both of us love we love movies and TV, right? We like movies and shows. Mm-hmm. Um Recently, we've been a, in a lot of discussions about some movies that have come out, and then there was Oscars yesterday and whatnot. So, you know, all of that. First, and shout out to Daniel Kaluuya, amazing actor, and uh, pretty happy for him winning that um, best supporting actor award. Yeah, yeah, big one. He's a big one. Yes. Um. So yeah. So with the Oscars in mind, I thought that you know what, let's let's have a lighthearted Celebration to end off this week's final thoughts. So right now we're going to have the NFL Oscars. So I, I picked a few, a few categories, and given our time constraint, I'm not going to go through all of the, um, the nominees for the ca- category. Just tell you the category, tell you the winner, and then and then why. So let, let's let's just get into it. I don't ha- want to use theme music because I don't want to write to that music. So in any case, um, so we'll start off with best costume design. Oh, I thought this was going to be a hard one, right? There are 32 teams in this league, so I thought it was going to be hard, but the award for this goes to Cam Newton, actually. Yes, the other team is <laughs> Cam Newton. I I mean, at the end of the day, I, I was really looking at the Chargers uniform. I was like, you know what? They actually had a really good uniform. I was thinking about uniforms at first, but then I was like, no, nah, there's no way that I, 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 I could. Mind you, I am the academy here. Let, let me just put that on there. I am the academy. So, the right, problem, these, selection, these selections are mine, Yeah. There's no way I could put anyone against Cam. So the next category, best original score. And that goes to Super Bowl 55, 31 to 9. The, the, now, now the, reason, the, reason is, the reason is whether you, like yourself, Ken, chose the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl or, like me, pick the Bucks. none of us expected the score to be a, a, a blowout in that manner. We all thought it was going to be a closer game. I don't care who you are across the world. I'm pretty sure no one made any money betting uh, uh, on a on a 31 to nine. I cannot recall any storylines like that. Mm-hmm. We all thought it was going to be a closer game until the end. It was nothing close to that. <laughs> so best original score, Super Bowl 55. The next is the best supporting actress. Actress. So this actually goes to a couple ladies. Um, I just wanted to take time to to. I'll give mention to and give the flowers to the females who are on the coaching staff of the Buccaneers, right? Lori Locus, the assistant defensive line coach at Tampa Bay, and Maral Jada, Javadifar, sorry. She's of Iranian descent, Um, assistant and strength assistant strength and conditioning coach, both at Tampa Bay, um, you know, first in, in their roles, first females in, in the Super Bowl winning team. So, yeah, um, I had to give them a little bit of props for that. Um, the best actor in a leading role. <laughs> you ain't gonna like this one, though. And the award for this goes to. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, let's call this it. a pos-
1: Let's call this a posthumous award. The award for this goes to Drew Brees because you know what? It, it was it was an amazing performance for the entire 2020. The entire he really had the Saints fans thinking. You know what? This is our year. This could be his final year. We're gonna do this this year. And what? Well, He had y'all believing to the point where every single year, y'all would blame the rest for for eliminating y'all from the playoffs. But nah, it was the performance of Drew Brees. The man is the the Leonardo DiCaprio or the Denzel of the the NFL. Uh, Like, outstanding performances year after year. So since his career is now dead, let's call this a posthumous award. Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints is the best actor in the leading role. Next is the best director. And I'm going to give that to Kevin Stefanski of the Cleveland Browns. The reason, and you you already know the reason why, right? We've had discussions ad nauseum about Baker Mayfield and his ability or lack thereof to be able to carry a team. The Browns were a laughing stock even prior to Stefanski's hiring. But what he was able to do last year, I have to give him credit for. Um, they were good enough to, to, to not just get into the playoffs, but actually win a playoff game. That is immense. And he... he Paramount to to all that, like, he figured out how to use Baker Mayfield. He realized realized Baker Mayfield's limits, and he was like, you know what? This is how we will run this offense going forward. He got got it going. So, best director, Kevin Stefanski. Best picture. This is the the final award of the night is best picture. And this, of course, you should know where this is going to. The best picture goes to record breaker, the ballad of Tom Bay. Oh yeah, you you know that, that that was that was a the best story, the best the best story, everything of, of the 2020 season. It, it was it was all over. Like the question was, yeah, with, with all this talent, is Tom Brady going to do it? People like yourself didn't think that he would. I I I I you know I I stuck with my boy. At the end, it 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 was written. It was such a, a marvelous marvelously written storyline. It couldn't end anymore. Um, any greater than it did so best picture record breaker yeah Ballad of Tampa Bay the story of Tom Brady in Tampa Bay and here end the awards for the evening so
0: I know I I just knew there had to be some some needling (laughs) of Drew Brees or somebody on the seats (laughs) in those awards I do it all the time so I, I would have been surprised if you did not return the favor but those awards are very well done. Very well put together, sir. I Thank you. salute Thank you. you. On those, we we will definitely come back to those another time. No problem. No problem. No problem. So that now brings us to the end of another Green Beige podcast. We've had fun here again. This, as always, airs on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Mountain Time. We encourage you to like share review as we are now on these audio platforms tell a friend about the green beige podcast we always enjoy having you along with us and at this point as always that is aj he's the green i'm ken i'm the bitch and we will see you